Hey moms, welcome to Moms in the Know podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Zuniga. Today, my guest is Christine Channel. Christine and her husband, Matt, own and operate Channel Homestead in Hanson, Massachusetts, where they have lots of animals, chickens, ducks, turkeys, geese, rabbits, geese, not geese, geese, <laughs> rabbits, goats, horses, cats, dogs, and bees. It's a handful. <laughs> Christine, yeah, Christine is a licensed horseback riding instructor and gives riding lessons in their indoor arena. They keep a uh, farm stand where they sell their honey and eggs, some farm grown produce, as well as an array of handcrafted bath and body products. And for those who can't make it to their farm, they do offer shipping. Christine is the proud mom of their adorable son, Hunter. He is so cute. I've seen him in the videos that you post on Facebook. He's adorable. But welcome, Christine. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited because, you know, my kids are grown. And now that I have more time on my hands and I'm, you know, I've been saying to my husband, maybe we should get a small piece of land somewhere and, you know, have some animals and grow some produce. And so now I get to have like a little flash of reality here because you actually created it and are living it now, that whole, the homestead uh, lifestyle that I think is becoming more and more popular. But can you just start off by telling us about how you got into homesteading? Yes. Absolutely. So it's really funny. My husband and I actually met, um, we lived a house between both of us. Uh, back then I was just into the horses. Um, and he, you know, just had like cat and a dog, but wasn't into like the, anything farming. So everybody, that's like the biggest question is like, did you grow up farming? Did your family do this or somebody? No, they didn't, <laughs> you know, and, and neither with the horses either. Um, my mom and I got my first horse when I was 13, um, just, you know, we enjoyed riding whenever we go on vacation, we do trail rides and stuff like that. And, um, so we got a horse and we got a second horse as a companion. And I started working at a horse farm Then I got my instructor's license teach there. Um, I bought my own horse, like my own, with my own money. I worked it off with my paycheck and then she ended up being pregnant, had a baby. So then all of a sudden one horse became four real fast. <laughs> so wow. we built a barn at my mom's house. Um, and it kind of all just exploded from there. So, um, I was, you know, continued to do the right, doing the writing lessons. Then my program got so big for the small little property that we had, I ended up uh, moving to someone else's facility that had 30 acres, huge indoor arena. And my program really took off from there. So, um, in between that timeline, right before I moved to the big facility, me and Matt had met. Uh, started dating, you know, fell in love. <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, so fast forward, we ended up, um, we were looking for a property eventually, because, you know, we wanted to get our own house, but it's so hard when you're young, and you're just starting off to try to uh, get a place. So we ended up finding this little house in Hanson. And it didn't have a farm or anything like that. It was just a house at a little white shed in the backyard. And, you know, we had dreams of making it more someday. So uh, I ended up, we bought the house, we got married. And um, then a couple of years later, we had saved up enough to be able to build up, build our indoor arena with um, the stalls attached so I can move my program home. 
And then as we were building the barn, it's one of those, I always put the cart before the horse type of thing. Uh, I saw on Facebook a, a couple baby goats that were advertised and I was like, can we get some goats? <laughs> you know, I just wanted them for pets. And um, so of course, you know, my husband is awesome and he let me get these couple goats. And so they ended up living like the little dog kennel area till the barn was built. Um, actually skipped over a little bit, but before that we did get, my husband always wanted chickens. So he wanted like 30 and I was like, no, how about like 12? You know, I'm like, yeah, I was always just like a strictly horse person. Didn't want the whole, I mean, never, not that I didn't want the farm thing. I just didn't know the farm life, you know? So we got the chickens, um, and then four turned into 10 to 12 to 30. We were almost at probably a hundred chickens at one point. It was crazy. Yeah. So then we got a few ducks too. And then one day my husband shows up with a turkey. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the domino effect of one thing to another. Wow. So Um, it wasn't like a plan. It wasn't like a plan. Let's create a small farm. It just kind of evolved out of your love for the animals. Absolutely. Yeah. It was so funny. I mean, back in the day, like way before when I used to live with my mom's and I was younger, um, I remember a friend of ours gave us some farm fresh eggs and she was, you know, so excited to give them to us. We had never tried them before. And there were, you know, some chicken eggs are like come colored, you know, like they lay like a blue egg or like a pinkish egg. We were so freaked out by the colors of them. We couldn't even eat them. And I totally, so it makes me laugh now because obviously that stuff doesn't affect me now um, because they all, they taste the same. But for some reason, I was so used to the white or the brown store-bought eggs like everybody else. And it's just something I can totally relate to people with because I was that person that was like, that's weird, you know? And now I totally understand when people are like, because I used to have chickens that did lay the colored eggs because some people like them, but some people would message me and be like, can I just get the brown eggs? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yes, I told they're like, nothing to get the other one. It just kind of freaks us out. I'm like, I totally understand. So I I love stuff like that, that I can relate to because I was that person before. And now I'm this person now, you know what I mean? So what makes an egg a different color? Like you're like the different, like blues or grays. So it's just a different breed. So there's Americanas and Easter eggers. Uh, they tend to lay, uh, different eggs. There's uh, different colored eggs. There's a few other different breeds that lay like a, a sky blue egg or a really dark, like chocolatey Brown. So a lot of people like to breed for that, or, um, just have a, get different breed of chickens to have a whole collection of a pretty egg basket. But for us now where we're more of like a breeding farm, we only keep one breed of chickens. Um, they do come in a variety of different colors, but we stick with the one breed. So that way, if we hatch them out, we can sell purebred uh, chickens. So those I are the wine dots. They're a very um, hardy bird and great for, they can be used for meat, um, but a great laying bird. And they're really, they do well with the um, winters here with the cold climate. They have what's called a rose comb. So, you know, like how the roosters have like the big combs on their head. They have like, it lays flat. So the ones that have those really big, tall combs on the top of their head, they can get frostbite really easy. Oh. So they aren't recommended for being up in a cold climate like we are. They get frostbite really easy. So the rose comb is better for down here. So they're just a more hardy, all-around friendly bird. Um, so we've done our research. We we definitely started. Uh, and that's you know one of the best things I can always say to people is do your homework before you jump into something. But you did it. <laughs> We didn't, (laughs) we just kind of, you know, we get so excited about stuff. We just dive right into it. 
And, uh, you know, we've learned the hard way. And sometimes that is your best way of learning. Um, but I don't recommend it, you know, Although so it always kind of exciting that your passion kind of drove you forward to where you are now. It was just Absolutely. your passion. There's something really beautiful about that. Even if you, if you learn and struggle around the, along the way, and I totally mm -hmm. get it like research first, yeah. but I, there are some people that just live in the moment, like my daughter, for example, <laughs> and I can see her developing this beautiful life by just doing what you're doing, uh, following her passion. Mm -hmm. My husband and I, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a fault in some places, but it's also a great thing in other places where people are too scared to, but we jump in with both feet on anything that we do. Um, so we definitely have full commitment to stuff where I know some people can be nervous to do things and then they put it off and they don't do it because they're afraid, you know, and it's like, we just dive right in and it's like, you're not, you've got to get your feet wet. You're not going to know unless you do it. But I always recommend to people just get a good mentor, you know, so I have so many people that'll message me and be like, hey, I'm looking into getting into this. What do you recommend? Or, hey, we're getting, we're, you know, or people that buy animals from us, we're looking to get goats, what fencing or, hey, we want to buy one of your Flemish giant rabbits. And they're one of the largest breed of rabbits in the world. So that is not a rabbit that you're going to go grab a tiny little rabbit cage at PetSmart. You know what I mean? You need to get them like a dog house or a small chicken coop or something like that. Like they're just big rabbits. So is that, there's just a lot to picture know. of you holding when it has the big, long, floppy ears. Uh, the Yeah, big, tall ears. Yep. Oh, tall so ears. I saw yep. another one of you holding a rabbit, a big one. It looked almost yep. like a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> the big floppy ears are so adorable. Yeah. Yeah. They're really awesome. They're such great. They can live outdoor. Ours stay outdoors because my house would be even more of a zoo than it already is. <laughs> already busy enough with a toddler and a, a German shepherd that just turned one and a cat. But um, we keep them outdoors. But a lot of people buy them and they litter box train them literally in a day. They can litter box train. Uh, they're such great pets, great with children, great with other animals, get along with really? the dogs and the cats. Um, so it's really cool. It's fun. I wish we could have one. And I'm sure we'll have one in the house once Hunter gets a little older and he can start asking for stuff like that. But yeah. um, they're so fun because they're just yeah. one of the family. So, okay. So you have... Um the chickens, the rabbits, the goats, uh, you have the horses. Um, well, we have 20 I beehives. My husband is, uh, I would call him the real beekeeper. I can't really take too much credit. I'm more on the other end of it. Like he does all the hard work with uh, installing bees or, you know, just the daily maintenance with them. Does he wear the protection and you, yep. Yeah. He wears the full bee suit. <laughs> Funny thing. Um, we didn't know in the beginning, um, and it's actually gotten worse, but my husband is allergic to bees. <laughs> ah! Honey bees are actually, um, one of the nicest, uh, bees there are other than like a bumblebee. Um, and they're generally pretty good as long as you know how to be around them. Um, but if, you know, in the very beginning, when you first get them in the spring or just the springtime, they're more irritable. So they can't, you know, my husband's definitely, I mean, even wearing that big suit, you can get stung. You know, if the suit's close against your skin, it can happen. So he's been stung a few times. He now has to carry an EpiPen around with him. Oh um, but fortunately, he's never had like, like his throat doesn't swell up, but his whole like leg or hand will blow up like a balloon. So, but it's not, it hasn't discouraged him. He still loves doing it. And uh, yeah, we have 20 hives in three different towns 
and it's great. The local honey is so awesome for the allergies, which my husband also has awful allergies. He's very allergic to our goats <laughs> and very allergic to, um, you know, like the pollen and stuff like that. And, uh, and hay too, of course, we have a whole barn full of hay. <laughs> Poor oh guy. Gosh. He like can never touch like half the animals or he has to come right in and shower. Wow. So, but I, with going back to the honey, if you take a teaspoon of honey a day, it is like better than um, any of these allergy medicines that you can take. And it's so much better for you, obviously. Um, I've heard people that. Can get immune to these, you know, allergy medicines. Yeah, it helps with uh, spring allergies, right? Because they, the, they, you're eating Correct. the honey that your local bees, you eat the local bees to your, the honey, the local honey. And that, you, like if I yes. was living in Massachusetts, I wouldn't want to eat California honey. I'd want to eat no, the correct. honey that's local to you my area to, to help find with as, Yeah, you want to try to find as local honey as you can to where you live. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why we like to have it in the three towns that surround us, um, because it kind of covers a more of a broad spectrum that way. Yeah. So how did how did he learn your husband about bees? Did someone teach him, or did he read books? So uh, Plymouth County here does a bee school, so we I both see. went to bee school. Uh, it sounds so funny. You don't really know about it. Like, Did really, you wear cute little school? bee hats, bumblebee hats? <laughs> it's so funny though. People like really bee school. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so we went to bee school. I, I can't remember now because it was so many years ago, how long it was. It was probably like a three month class or something, uh, okay. once a week and for a couple hours a night. And, um, it was very educational. So I, another thing too, like if someone's interested in getting into bees, do your research, go to bee school, find a, the biggest thing too is find a mentor again, because with bees, it's just like, it can be complicated. It can, some hives can do great and you don't know why. And some can just be awful, you know, and it can just be different breeds of bees. There are different breeds. Um, or it just could be your location. They didn't have a great water source or they were facing, you know, the wrong way. Bees just, can be very complicated. So it's not a very easy uh, thing to do, but my husband knows so much more than I even do because he's the one who's always digging in there. I hate bees. <laughs> I mean, I love <laughs> our honeybees. I'll go up there and I'll take videos and stuff like that. I just, I, I've been stung, you know, not by, actually not by our honeybees. I have to say I've been chased by them before, <laughs> but uh, that was a funny video. So I how actually, do you get I the caught. honey? So, um, he wears the bee suit and he goes in there. What they have is what's called a smoker. Um, so basically it's an interesting thing that people don't know. Um, what you do is you put a bunch of uh, leaves in a can and you pretty much like light it enough that it makes a smoke and you smoke all around the hive and the bees go into like a hibernation. It's cr really oh. crazy. So they kind of like go into like a trance, like they're going to sleep. So you do that. Uh, spray it all around the hive, take the cover off, spray in it. And they all pretty much get like really calm. And then you pull your frames out that are full of honey and you put in new frames. So it's a really interesting, really cool process hmm. that again, nobody knows, you know, unless you're doing it, it's just so educational with all these things. And that's what we try to do. We have a YouTube channel too. Uh, you know, if you just look up channel homestead and I try to post videos of stuff like that, like, or we go live on our Facebook page of Matt doing hive inspections or for incubating chicken eggs, duck eggs, you know, any animal. Uh, we try to go live either on Facebook or record it for uh, YouTube. So that way we, we try to keep everything educational so we can help teach everyone, um, you know, the ways of the homestead. And, and if this is something that they want to get into, you know, That's so, so we, fantastic. 
That's so yeah. fantastic. I think so many people are just getting away from the land and how things operate. We just buy things off the shelves and, you know, nothing Absolutely. like the shortage of, you know, food supply to get people waking up and thinking, oh, maybe Tell I should, about it. you know, yeah, think about this. <laughs> yeah. So just, just backing up a second. So one, mm -hmm. back to the honey for a minute, because I'm just so curious, like how, yeah. with one tray of honey, how, I mean, with one tray, is it a honeycomb or how much yeah. honey does one... You know, uh, yeah, one, box, um, what do you call it? <laughs> yeah, so they're in a box. They're just different uh, little sections that you pull up. Um, one frame, frame is the word. One frame, Sorry. okay. <laughs> um, one frame, so it's hard to say. So what we end up doing is we take a bunch of frames out. It's usually, we're not usually just doing like one at a time. So it's hard to say one. Um, and my husband knows these numbers so much better than I do. Uh, but, and I wish he was here with me. <laughs> but um, we well, I guess end up- yeah, like so how much, like with all, with one, because I've seen those white boxes that are kind of what, like three feet by tall. Yeah, and, and they're maybe, stacked maybe like three or four high. Right. So would that like make when you maybe, you know, um, like I'm thinking maybe 16 ounces of a jar of honey, would yeah, that make so like 10 or those? probably or getting anywhere from like maybe 30 to 50 pounds, depending on the hive. Again, like I said before, you have some hives that and we can buy like packages from the same company the same really type of bees and all that stuff and some just do better than others sometimes you have issues with a queen the queen is the one who uh you know does everything for the hive so if you have no queen or your queen dies or you're having issues with her that's a big deal so um but it sounds like there's a significant amount of honey. That's a lot of honey. There is. That's but then the only other thing is to get them through the winter to make them survive, which you do up here. It's so hard where we get these hot and cold days going back and forth. It creates humidity in the um, hives that can get them damp and cold and then they can oh. die. So it's really a struggle to keep them alive up here. But what you have to do is leave them with about 50 pounds of honey to get through the winter. So as much as, yes, it gives you a lot, you also have to give them a bunch of honey because they are not going to venture out um, from the hive if it's cold out, which pretty much all winter is, you know, so only on the super warm days, they're going to be going out and trying to look for any other food. So you do have to leave them a lot to get through the winter. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All so right. it's like as much as you're taking from them, you're also, you know, still giving back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, and going back to, so how you guys started, you got one animal at a time or one breed or one. And yeah. It just kind so of it was the chickens what? into the ducks, into the turkey, and then the goats came. So then we built our barn um, and we moved the horses home and we, you know, moved the riding lessons over here. Uh, and then I just got more and more into goats. A friend of mine sold me one of her bucks, which is a, a male goat. And I had two females, so I bred them and then we had babies and now, and I just, I've always loved the birthing experience of any animals. I honestly, like if I, and maybe someday I will, I, you know, would love to be uh, like a midwife or something like that. Mm. I just love the whole labor and delivery and all that stuff. So, uh, so I had so much fun with the goats having babies mm. and stuff. So I got more and more into it. Now I breed only 
Nigerian dwarf goats, which is uh, one of the smallest breeds of goats. So I have the smallest breed of goat and the largest breed of rabbit. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. Are they similar um, in size? <laughs> yeah, basically, right? <laughs> um, so I just, I love all that stuff. But the horses we don't breed because we need them all year doing lessons and stuff. We only mm-hmm. have three horses um, to keep it manageable. I've had up to six, but it was just more than we really needed. So um So yeah, so we do the riding lessons, we breed the goats, we breed right now, actually, uh, Valentine's Day, we had three litters of Flemish giant rabbits. So today I'm actually going to go through, I usually give the moms a day or two to, to just kind of do their thing and give them some time with the babies. And then I go in and find out how many they had, because they make these big nests, they pull out a bunch of hair. It's so fun. So I'm going to be doing that uh, this afternoon, because it's supposed to be kind of warm today. So I don't like to do it too. When it's this cold out you know, go through, cause they're, they're like little naked rats. They're the cutest, ugliest oh, little things ever. Wow. wow. How beautiful. <laughs> so, so yeah. what is your typical day like? What is it? It probably isn't a typical day, but there is not one day like another, probably. Um, so I get up early. I go out and take care of all the animals while Hunter's still sleeping. Then How if early? it's a day, um, about six, 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 six. 30. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, early, but not early. It's not, I used to have a morning job. I used to be up at four 30 every morning. So it's really not early <laughs> to what I used to do, but, uh, so I go take care of all the farm animals and then I come back in. He's usually waking up around that time. Uh, I think he smells my coffee pot going. <laughs> wakes him up. So, and then we have our farm stand that's open every day, 8am to 8pm. So, uh, usually once I'm done doing the barn, I run out there, open that up. And, and then, you know, I grab them out of bed, snuggle them. And then, uh, depending on the day, like if it's a day that I'm doing soap, usually I'll reserve like the whole morning for that. I'll go drop them off with my friend who watches them or, um, some of our family will also watch them. So we kind of have like a set schedule on certain days where we do that. And so I'll either make soap all morning and then go pick them up, um, around lunchtime and bring them home and he'll nap. And then I usually teach writing lessons in the afternoon. Or um, I do have some girls that'll teach for me now a little bit too. So that way I can, if I'm doing the soap all morning, I don't have to miss the whole day with Hunter. Cause I hate that. You know, I hate having to work all morning doing products and then pick them up. Okay. Go to bed, you know? And then it's like, okay, you're woke up. Okay. Go back with someone yeah. else. You know, I, I don't want to, it's so hard being a mom, but also being a working mom. And, you know, I know these days go by so fast and he's growing up so fast. So it's like, I, I try to balance it as best as I can with, um, you know, not getting behind, but also still spending as much time with him as I possibly can. So I try to, if it's like a soaping morning or working on the products, then I try to usually have the afternoon off with him so I can spend the time. So every day is a little different though. Sometimes usually I'm with him maybe in the morning. Yeah. Hopefully as he gets help older, he more. can help you. Right. He can be your right yes, hand, your little guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I definitely hope that would be a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, I can't yeah, imagine, so, you know, the, the time management that you have to deal. I mean, mm-hmm. just collecting loves, the eggs and yeah, he sure loves being so many outside. Things he loves being outside. So, and he loves the animals. He is the biggest, my poor cat gets dragged around the house everywhere she goes. <laughs> he mm-hmm. loves the cat and the dog so much and all the animals outside. So it's great. I really can't wait till he's old enough that he can actually come out and be with me doing everything. But right now it's still, he's just a little too young and it's a little too hard to actually have him without having somebody else helping, you know, watch, keep an eye on him while I'm doing stuff. But 
Um, some mornings, like if it's nice out, we'll, I'll take him and the dog. He, they both love going for walks. So we'll go to a new place for a little, you know, adventure. Um, and then maybe I'll spend the morning with him. And then the afternoon I might make products or something. So I always try to split it up that I'm with him at least half the day if I have to work the other half of the day, but it's good. Cause I can pretty much make my own schedule. So, mm. um, but it's a lot, it's very hard. It's, you know, I, I didn't realize how busy. I mean, and no one knows. I mean, where you don't know until you have a child, how time consuming in your life completely changes and it's completely focused on them. So it, it definitely changes things a lot. And I don't have as much time as I used to. So it's been so great to have the support of the family and friends that can help watch him. And, and that way I don't have to be sending him to a daycare and there's nothing wrong with daycares either. But it's just nice when they can be with family or friends, you know, that you can trust. It's so nice to have support. Especially with COVID and all this stuff going on. It's like, I don't have to worry. Is he being exposed to certain things? It's like, he's in our, you know, in our group of bubble with the family and friends. Mm -hmm. So that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, You know, there are a couple of things I want to talk about, but you brought up the, your soap making. And I'd love to hear about your soaps and your products that you're making. I saw yeah. a video on Facebook when you were slicing your soaps. Yeah. <laughs> it looks, Thank they look you. like pieces of art. They are. I know. Sometimes they're a little too pretty to use <laughs> <laughs> or they look too good to eat. And I'm like, no, don't eat it. <laughs> yeah. So, what, so how do you make them? What goes into that? So I actually, um, how I got into that is I'm part of a bunch of different homesteading groups on Facebook and somebody had offered to do a soap making class. So I went to that and I just found this passion that I didn't know I had, you know? And so I've been doing it for, I think it's five or six years now, just, you know, in the beginning, obviously just playing with it and learning how to do different things. Uh, then I got into it more, um, and started selling at like different farmers markets, Uh, and just, you know, like on my own Facebook and stuff, but I didn't like have a business page or anything like that. And, um, and then when I had Hunter, I kind of took a break from it because I just, you know, just learning the whole mom life and all that stuff along with the whole farm. I just didn't have any extra time to really do it. And then when COVID happened is really my huge push this year or last year, um, that, because of, you know, uh, all the cases and stuff, um, all the businesses were closing down. Uh, and I had to stop my riding lesson program, which is scary. You know, that is my main source of income. My husband has a full-time job, fortunately, and he is an essential worker. So that, you know, was great, but we need both of our incomes. So that was scary when all of a sudden, you know, who knows how long it was going to be closed down and all that stuff. So I was like, you know what, this is my time. I need to, you know, make money elsewhere somehow, you know, I need to help support. And, you know, obviously the biggest thing was hand washing is number one. I'm like, well, bingo. Hello. I make soap, (laughs) you know? So I'm like, this is my chance, you know, let's go. I I got something I can do. It's something that's going to help everyone right now. You couldn't find soap on the shelves at these stores. You couldn't find. And then I got into hand sanitizer too. Couldn't find hand sanitizer with these stores. I had people begging me for sanitizer. It was crazy. So we got into doing uh, way more with the all natural soaps um, and the hand sanitizer. I just couldn't, I couldn't sell it fast enough. I couldn't make it fast enough. Um, And then I got, uh, so with the goats, um, Nigerian dwarfs are 
one of the best um, for milking and they have a high butterfat content in their milk, or I should say the highest in the goats. So it's um, awesome for the body products because it's even more creamy um, and better for your skin. Mm. So I got a, so I used to hand milk all the goats and that's time consuming <laughs> and <laughs> I would fills your hands. I was having like arthritis already in my hands happening, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I need to, you know, I, cause I bumped up from two goats to now I have, I'll have this year, 12 goats, not even including babies, you know, all the same breed, so, all the same breed. Yep. So I'm like, I need a milking machine, you know? And so I, you know, save my money up for that. And I got a milking machine. So it makes it so much faster and cleaner too. So another thing too, about the goat milk, and I know we're kind of talking about the products, but just real quick, um, when no, I, I want to hear about him. Yeah. When I have oh. my son, he had, um, a dairy, uh, allergy. So he had to be switched from, I was breastfeeding. So he had to be switched to formula, which was unfortunate, but it is what it is, obviously. Um, so he was on that. And then when he turned one, we had been experimenting a little bit with the cheeses, you know, and, and dairy and stuff again, and kind of working our way up the ladder to see if he could tolerate it. And he seemed to be doing better. But with doing research, I found out that goat's milk um, is much easier on their stomach than cow's milk. So I ended up switching him over to goat's milk and he was thriving. And awesome. it was crazy because these you know, doctors don't have enough, you know, experience or, um, education on goat's milk versus cow's milk. So my doctors, his doctors were, were questioning me like, I don't know, we don't know enough about that and blah, blah, blah. And I was pasteurizing it at first. Cause you know, to get rid of bacteria and blah, blah, blah. But the more research I did and the more people I talked to, they were like, no, you're taking out the good bacteria. And my, <clears throat> I, um, disease test my herd every year. They've always been clear and fine, but I still do it as a regular basis just to be for safe safety. And, um, and so that, you know, so it's like, I know where my milk is coming from. It's like, I'm getting it from some random person. Um, my herd is healthy so I can trust my milk, you know? So I totally I'm so understand. glad you brought that up because I, I mean, I actually am a big proponent of raw milk and it's, uh, you know, in some States it's legal in Maine, you can yep. go to the health food store and buy raw milk. Yeah. And whenever we go to Maine, I'm always <laughs> buying a lot of that milk. And actually right now I'm in Idaho and, uh, you can purchase same thing in the health food store, raw oh, milk awesome. here. And it's so, it's just full of all the, you know, uh, good bacteria, the good bacteria that your, replenishes your gut. So it really Absolutely. helps heal allergies. I was getting mm -hmm. raw milk from someone for a little while who swore, uh, and he was also a farmer and he had his, his own, um, just a small, just a few cows that I mm -hmm. lucky enough to, you know, get some of their milk, but he swears it cured his wife of her cancer. Wow. And I'm not, and I'm not a medical doctor and I don't say, Oh, that's going to help and I everybody. Say say, yeah, but exactly. it's just right. But it's just, people need to really do their research and look at that and see if, you know, they can get their hands on raw milk. Absolutely. The same thing that you're talking about goat's milk being more gentle. So your son, it is. Um, so my now, son has been raised on goat's milk, um, which has been so beneficial. And, um, you know, I just, I'm so thankful, you know, that I, that this is just that I have the goats and I have the milk and it's not something that I'm looking to try to find because it's so hard to find around here. Um, and how long before you started noticing a difference? Like, was he, did he have colic or what were his symptoms? 
Uh, so he had really bad reflux too, as an infant. Um, but when I was nursing, I only got to nurse until he was about seven or eight weeks. But I mean, it was just, he cried all day. It was, it was, he, it was very hard. Oh. You know, it, it was a very hard couple months with him till, you know, we started uh, testing his diaper. We went to all different kinds of doctors doing, um, testing and different stuff like that. And it was just, he had a severe dairy allergy. And I was like, this is crazy. Like we don't have allergies, like or, uh, dairy allergies, I should say. I'm like, I don't understand like why. And it's, it's just so weird. Like so many kids and babies are having it nowadays. And I mean, I, it totally makes sense, you know, with all these preservatives and all these artificial things they're putting in our foods now that it's got to be causing it, you know? Well, also the, um, you know, we don't need to get into this issue, but I have done yeah. research, but the, when they vaccinate with the hepatitis the B shot on the first day of birth, uh, that can cause a lot of problems. Wow. Yeah. You know, I actually have not... been vaccinated and kids who haven't, Yeah, you know, from yeah. the first, second day of birth. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, Oh, the screen just froze. Oh, there you are. <laughs> My screen just froze up a little bit. Yeah, I know. So, I, I lost you. Yeah. Uh, but so, what, oh my gosh. So you're talking about the goats and your products and what goes in. So one of your main products <laughs> okay, sounds so, like soap. So my main thing, yeah, it's pretty much soap. But uh, so where I was getting with the goat's milk is now that I have the milking machine, I can milk them so much quicker. So it helps save time on my end because right now time is of the essence. <laughs> Whatever I can try to help to be faster to help my day. I just wish days were longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're not. So I can't make days longer. So how can I make things that I do quicker? You know what I mean? To do. So by, I mean, it was taking me 10 to 15 minutes to hand milk a goat. And now it's taking me maybe two to three minutes with them on a milking machine. So that's huge. Um, in time, you know, saving and everything. <clears throat> and I milk them twice a day. So I try to get up even earlier when I'm in, when they're in milk. <laughs> And I have to milk them before Hunter gets up. And then I milk them in the evening. But that's usually when my husband's home. So and how much milk do they provide? Um, typically about like a quarter to depending on their age. Um, when it's their first freshening, which means like their first time having a baby, they typically don't produce a lot. Um, and then um, in their second to third, fourth, they start producing even more. So, um, depends on kind of that stuff, but typically about a quart to, uh, two quarts per goat. Okay. Uh, but that's for the, the Nigerian dwarfs are obviously smaller, so they're not going to produce as much as these really large goats. Um, so it depends on kind of what your goals are. I just, I love them being small, uh, and they tend to be just what people are looking for, for the pets, um, and stuff mm. like that too. But again, their milk is the best tasting and best for cheeses and other stuff like that, which is something I want to get more into too, but I just haven't had the time, <laughs> but it's definitely the sweetest. Like it almost has like a creamy sweet taste to it. So a lot of people are like, does, you know, and same thing with the chicken eggs versus duck eggs. People are like, you know, I love the chicken eggs, but what's, you know, what's a duck egg like, you know? And so it's almost like the same thing with cow milk versus goat's milk. Uh, they're so similar, but just have a tiny difference, you know, with them. So, um, but you wouldn't know, like if I put a glass, if I was like, okay, here's a glass of cow's milk, here's a glass of goat's milk and went in the other room and switched them around and whatever, and put them in front of you, you would have had no idea which one was really which oh, really? other than you would have been like, this one is a little sweeter, you know, you'd probably say, but you wouldn't be like, oh, like it tastes, you know, funny or, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> like some people right. will say about some meat, they're like, oh, that one tastes gamey, you know, or something. So it all depends on the breed, the animal, stuff like that. So the Nigerian dwarf goat milk, because it has a higher butter fat content, um, tends to be the best tasting of Sounds all the goat great. milk. Yeah. There's so just is, so much to learn. So much there's to know. So much to learn. So, it's but just I just crazy. Back to the soap. I want to know what is in a bar of soap? <laughs> You have the um, so my, so every, every different soap maker can have a different base and I can change my base depending on how I want it. Um, if I want it more lathery, more creamy, more, um, cleansing. So there's different things. So basically my, um, my majority of soap is coconut oil, olive oil, and palm oil as the base. Um, I use some castor oil, almond oil, um, shea butter, different things and different recipes. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I make the, the body soaps, which is body, um, and hand soap either way. I make the, um, shampoo bars, which that's a different recipe conditioner bars. That's a different recipe. Um, so it all depends on what your goal is and what you're trying to do with them. Um, and then the goat milk lotion is a whole different recipe too. And that takes a lot of the goat milk and then a ton of the oils, um, and then you have to have a little bit of our most natural preservative is called optifin that you can put in them because obviously it's milk. You have to have some type of preservative or it's going to be moldy in a couple of days, yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, and we have to pasteurize it, too, before it's put into the lotion, because that helps kill any of those bacteria from having mold grow. Um, but other than that, we don't pasteurize anything. It only except for the lotions. Do you use so. like essential oils and things like that <clears throat> for scent or what do you? So I do, I do some stuff unscented uh, for our goat milk lotion. It's been so incredible for people for uh, the eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis. Um, I've even had, I bumped into a lady the other day when I was restocking the farm stand and she thanked me. She's like, my husband has dementia and he has a type that affects his skin and it makes him like uncontrollably itchy, which actually my husband's, uh, grandfather had pretty much the same type and he has passed. Um, and it kills me now that I didn't have this lotion back then because he used to literally scratch himself until he was raw. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, like, I wish I had this stuff and I could have helped him back then. And I knew, you know, but it's like, so now we know for the future and now I can help people. So this lady just couldn't thank me that. enough. I'm sorry. It eliminates it or reduces it or it helps uh, the itching and helps. So then they're not scratching. Yeah. It's yeah. just wow. totally incredible. Like a lot of people are calling it the miracle lotion. Like, is it something you can't go to the store and you can't just buy it? And all these lotions that you're buying at the store are all water-based and they're just made with all, the I mean, look at, look at your bottle of shampoo in the shower. Look at the ingredients. You can't, you don't even know what any of those words are. It's unbelievable. You look at my, you know, go to my website, look at all my ingredients are on the website. I am completely transparent about um, everything. Cause it's like, you know, I want to show you guys, this is what's in it. It's all natural. It's so much better for your skin and it's going to help replenish. You know, it's not going to dry you out and be possibly cancer causing, you know, or whatever. Um, it's just, you got to do better for your body. Your skin is your largest organ in the body. We got to take care of it, you know? Absolutely. Um, so with the, I'm trying to think where were we going with that? So with the, um, the, the milk, it's just, it's so good for your skin, the goat milk. 
Um, and it's helped like even my son, he, so we kind of just started a little bit of the potty training, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was not my idea. It was him showing interest. And I just couldn't ignore the signs. I'm like, I'm not ready for this yet, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> he was, so we've been playing with it and we just started doing some pull-ups. So I got him a certain brand and it just did not agree with his skin. And that poor baby, I took off his pull-up um, that night and he had rash so bad all over his oh. legs from the pull-up. So I went, okay, grab my miracle lotion. So I grabbed the, the goat's milk lotion, rubbed it all over him. I took a picture and I'm like, not really the best picture because <laughs> it's down in that area, you know? So it's nothing I can post on online, unfortunately, but I put it on and that was at 8 p.m., he got up at 8 a.m., um, slept in, thank God, that day. <laughs> and um, and I, I took off his diaper and I was like, wow. Like, it's so hard because I make these products. So it's like, I have such a hard time sometimes believing in how amazing it is. I don't know why, if that makes sense. It's like, I feel like it's like, how could something I make be that great? You know what I mean? Because it's so, all natural and you're using it is. quality pro- ingredients. Absolutely. So it's just, it's so cool. I have so many people uh, that have seen huge results um, in even acne um, and just the dryness. Oh, do you in their have skin. face creams also? Just the goat milk lotion. People oh, use it. I use it. So whenever I get out of the shower, my face gets really dry too. So I put the goat milk lotion on all the time. And now I don't have issues like that. And anymore. You have beautiful skin. I'm looking at your oh, skin. Thank it's you. so beautiful. <laughs> and I try not to use like any makeup either. Thank you. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, I have people that have put it on, they've like, I've tried everything. I've tried medicated lotions. I've tried you know, medicine from the doctors for the eczema or whatever, or they have babies that uh, just covered in patches of the, the eczema all over them. And uh, literally in 24 hours, it's like you can't even see it anymore. It's that amazing. I have people that have that Roatia on their face, same thing, completely taken away all those uh, marks from it. And so cool. it's just incredible. It just blows me away every single time blows me away. Yeah. And that's a topic. I, I, I also know that, um, you know, eczema, that's actually also sometimes a reflection of toxicity in the gut and an imbalance of the gut. So you can Mm -hmm. also through, you know, raw milk, (laughs) probiotics, and also some people might have a high toxicity load or might be Mm -hmm. allergic to something that they're using. So it could even be like the creams or the detergents that they're using to wash their clothes in or all these different things, chemicals that are in our environments that are causing it, but also oftentimes from the inside out. But that sounds amazing. I am going to move your cream. It's so, (laughs) so awesome. So So do you run out? I mean, do you have? Yeah, so that's that's actually something we just were dealing with. So um, because just in from word of mouth has really been the best thing for us. I mean, I advertise here and there on things, but word of mouth has been so incredible with people trying our products and like, Oh my God, so-and-so you need to try that for, you know, so-and-so's eczema or whatever. So our gold milk lotion has now become like our most, I mean, our soaps are too, but the gold milk lotion and the soaps have been just out of control, like selling so fast. And so obviously, uh, so what we do with our goats, they have a five month um, gestation period when they're pregnant. So I breed them once I get confirmation that they're bred, I dry them off from milking. So that way it gives them, um, you know, like 
three, four months of uh, being dry. So their body can just take care of growing the babies and relaxing, giving them a rest from the milking. And then once they have the babies and we'll start to slowly milk them again as the babies are growing up and weaning and stuff like that. So we did save a ton. We had a whole chest freezer full of goat milk that I, you know, kept putting away and putting away and saving it up. We flew through that so fast. (laughs) It was crazy because our goat milk just the lotion just took off and I clearly did not save enough, but it wasn't like something that we weren't prepared for. It's we didn't, you know, we couldn't have expected that. So recently in the last few weeks, I've been trying to find it anywhere locally that anybody, if anyone has stuff frozen or they have a goat and milk, which not too many do, like they're just starting most farms starting to have babies like now, or like my first goat's not due till March 23rd. So, um, once I get her in milk, that'll be great. And I'll start getting it fresh again. Um, so we actually drove up to New Hampshire two hours away to go get 25 gallons of goat's milk from someone. So that way we don't run out and we don't have to be like, sorry, we don't have any until the end of March. So we ended up going up there and buying a bunch from, and it's all raw from a farmer who has the larger breed goats, um, that, uh, pumps out so much more faster, you know. <laughs> so do so. you have a network of farmers of other homesteaders that you are in contact with or you guys, you know, communicate? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. So there's a lot of great homesteading pages that I'm on um, where we, you know, we ask each other questions or comment about different things. Um, and then I'm also friends with a lot of different uh, great ones that are local and some even just all around New England. Do you, um, I mean, do you find like there are more uh, newbies, so to speak, like to the farming and homestead experience? So this past year with COVID and everyone being home or out of their jobs and stuff. And I think people all of a sudden realize like, crap, like when these stores don't have food, you know, like, I mean, I was even doing it too. We, you know, we've raised meat chickens and stuff. We haven't in the last couple of years. We just, it's just, we've been so busy with Hunter and just everything else. Um, but all of a sudden it's like, man, like I was running to every grocery store to try to find a couple pieces of chicken breast. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. So it just makes you so much more like, wow, I'm not prepared in case I need to be. So it just makes it so, uh, you appreciate, you know, the farm so much more when you can be self-sufficient and like we have the garden. So we were good for vegetables, um, but, you know, and I, and worse comes to worse. I mean, the, the rabbits that we do breed, they are technically a meat breed as well. They take longer to grow up, um, like to fill out and stuff mm-hmm. than some meat breeds. But I mean, worse comes to worse, we still can provide. And obviously we have chickens and we hatch them out and we could use them for meat as well. But at least uh, the chickens have eggs. You have the protein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the chickens have eggs too. So, but it's just, you know, all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, we are so thankful that we have a farm and we could be self-sufficient if we wanted to be, um, that way, but it's just, it was crazy, you know, with, with everything happening. Oh, but getting back to that, I think that all of a sudden, a lot of people last year got into starting mini farms and getting chickens and getting goats and cause they want the milk and, um, and, Gardens. So many people were putting in gardens last year. It was crazy. So do you I do the gardening or your husband? We your- both do. Um, he definitely is more the gardener than I am. 
which is funny because usually it's usually the wife, <laughs> but, um, he's always loved to do gardens. Even since we, um, first started dating, he always had a small garden at his mom's house, his parents. Um, it's a so, lot of work, right? Just- it's a lot of work. Yeah. So I'm pretty much more uh, like, I'm more like the organized one where like he would just throw stuff all over the place <laughs> for, for plants. And I'm like, no, we have this, ha- this row has to be tomatoes. This row has to be cucumbers, this row, you know? So I'm more of like, I keep him structured and organized, you know, where everything goes. And then I'll be out there, you know, watering it midday and picking vegetables and putting them out in the farm stand and stuff like that. I took a, uh, so, just online organic so farming. He definitely, he's more like, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Right, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Well, I was just saying I okay. took an online organic gardening class and I was really surprised at how, um, just the soil has to be the right pH and you have to use So this the right- is another great thing is our rabbits, um, they, their manure is called a cold fertilizer versus a hot, which like a horse manure or a cow manure is hot. So when it sits there, like in a pile, it gets really hot. And if you immediately put it in your garden, it can burn your vegetables because, um, just how, just how it is the makeup of it where rabbits is a cold, um, uh, manure. So you can actually directly put it right into your garden. And it literally, our garden turns into the wild Amazon, <laughs> like things wow. grow so big and so fast and they taste so good. It's like when you go buy some, like when the garden's all done with the tomatoes and I had to go buy some at the store, I was like crying. And like, I tried, I'm like, this tomato doesn't even taste good compared wow. to what, you know, and I had people, you know, messaging me and they're like, I just grabbed tomatoes or I grabbed this zucchini. This is the best zucchini I have ever had. And I'm like, well, don't want to tell you, but it's fertilized <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when you tell them that now they're like, oh, but everyone, you know, we're all using fertilizer, you know what I mean? To help them grow and you need it. You need but, it. Yeah. So we're going to be selling um, rabbit manure for fertilizer for people's gardens, but it is incredible. And the goat manure can also be used as well. Um, it's just a little bit harder for us to kind of pick up where they have like a lot of hay um, and shavings in their bedding. So, I mean, you can put that in the garden, but with the hay, you tend to get more weeds. So, um, and same with cow manure versus horse manure. Cows have four stomachs, so it's processed four times. So you don't tend to get as many weeds from cow manure versus horse because horse manure, uh, horses only have one stomach. So their grains that they eat and hay only gets processed one time through the digestive system. And then if you put that in your garden, you tend to get a lot more weeds. So again, just little, little facts that people don't realize how different, because a lot of times you find farms selling the cow manure, but horse manure, please take it, you know? And so people, I mean, we've done it. We've used our own horse manure that we've composted. And then we found out like, wow, the garden had a lot of weeds this year. And that's how we figured it out. Interesting. So so now we only use the rabbit manure. Yeah. And you just talked about composting. So you also compost. We do. Yep. So we have different uh, spots on the property that we um, put the manure. So that way, you know, we know like this was from two years ago and this is this year's. And so that way we try to, um, you know, let it sit. So that way. And what about just the household compost? You know, like the vegetable scraps, coffee grounds. so So our chickens, funny thing about them too, people don't know they end up getting most of our leftover food. Like say we have pasta for dinner or something and we have a bunch of leftover. I'll go bring it out and throw it into their pen and they eat it up like it's Christmas dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Like they absolutely love it. 
So they're awesome for any scraps, chickens, ducks. They love it all. Um, Where more like the goats love like bananas. They love bread. Um, The rabbits, you know, just like more lettuce, um, carrots, apples, stuff like that. So Mm. horses have a stricter diet than anyone Mm because they can uh, get what's called colic where their stomach can twist and it could be fatal. So you got to be really strict with the horse's diets. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, all our food scraps go out to the chickens. Okay. And I know you also have ducks. I just want to hear about the ducks, the geese. You sell duck eggs. Is that what you raise? So we sell duck eggs. Yep. For eating Uh, duck eggs are awesome for, um, uh, for the, what's it called? Oh my gosh. I can't even think for their cholesterol. So Mm. if someone, if, I mean, if you have high cholesterol, you probably don't want to be eating them, but for someone who needs more in their diet, they're, they're really high in the cholesterol. They're awesome for baking as well. Uh, they really help, um, like cakes and stuff to fluff up even better. Um, so a lot of people really love it for baking. So I have people like, do you have duck eggs today? Do you have duck eggs today? (laughs) Right now they're really slow. I think I only have one duck that's laying an egg a day. Um, it's hard because they lay really early in the morning. So there's already an egg out there by the time I get out there. So I can never catch who it is. <laughs> I need to just get up early one morning and be like, it's you. <laughs> but once we get into spring, um, they'll all be laying. So I'll probably be getting like half a dozen duck eggs a day, which would be great for those who have been begging me for them. But right now I'm only at one egg a day. So do you know this your... Yeah. Do you notice the ducks or actually for for that matter, the other animals, like they each have their own personalities and, or do they all? Yeah, they do. So we, we actually have a duck. Um, she kind of has a funny story behind her. Her name's lucky. And I called her that because she was lucky to be alive. And I didn't know if it was a girl or boy with ducks and with chickens and and turkeys and stuff like that. You can't tell their genders right away. Typically, um, unless you're an expert, like some of the hatcheries can take their best guesses, but, um, it's hard to tell. It's not something that like, like a baby goat, you can tell instantly, Oh, it's a boy. It's a girl. So, um, lucky. So we had a horse camp going on last summer and my students always love to check for the eggs, you know, in the, in the, uh, nesting boxes. And they must've grabbed one of the duck's eggs and was like, Oh, this goes over here with the chicken eggs. Well, I had a chicken sitting on eggs. It's called when they go broody and they want to sit on the eggs and hatch them out. And we were uh, happy to let her do that because we wanted to add more, uh, chickens to our flock. So we let her do that. And then one day I just went to check cause I knew it was getting close cause the uh, chickens take 21 days till their eggs hatch from the day that they start sitting on them. Uh, duck eggs take 28 days. So they're a week longer. Um, so I happen to look under her and I'm like, oh my gosh, why? Cause duck eggs are white, like super white. So I was like, why is there a duck egg under you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, one of the kids must've put it under her during camp. <laughs> So I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, how's this going to work out? I'm like, the duck egg takes a week longer. I'm like, if this hen hatches out all her chicks and then ditches the egg, now I'm going to have to try to get it in an incubator, which I'm pretty sure I had both of my incubators going at the same time. So it wasn't just a quick thing. I could just toss it in and I didn't know how far along it was really. Oh, so it was, that was a big thing. Um, so I was like, well, we'll just let nature happen and do its thing. So 
Uh, one day I had some of my barn girls out there um, oh, and the chicken had hatched out most of her chicks, but I ended up moving them into a separate section. So she didn't stay with the babies and she did stay on that duck egg, which I was very amazed. She was a really good broody mom. Aww. So she stayed on that egg and I'm like, again, I had no idea when this egg was actually thrown in there. Um, so I was like, well, she's got to be hopefully due sometime, you know, the egg to hatch sometime this week. Well, my barn girls went out there and they were helping with chores and they come running to my back door and they're like, there's a baby duck. There's a baby duck stuck in the fence. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so I go running out there and poor little lucky got his little beak stuck. in. we have like that really small whole chicken wire had her beak stuck in. It was cut on one side Aww. and it looked like obviously some of the, maybe the roosters were going after him. Um, probably, you know, scared it. And that's why it got stuck in the fence. Aww. Oh my gosh. So I saved little lucky and, you know, took care of her. And, uh, you know, I just, I was like, you know what? I said, her name is lucky because she's lucky to be alive. I said, if you guys weren't out there right then and there, I said, she may not have made it. You know, she had literally just hatched. So did the um, chicken, do you think the chicken just kind of was like, what? You're a duck. Get out of here. No, so I, <laughs> I've had chickens actually hatch out duck eggs and they really oh. don't, they, they're still so mothering. They don't, they're not like, Hey, you're not mine. You know, like they don't even <laughs> I really understand. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, so I, I just think the duck somehow jumped out of the nesting box and it was a total accident. Mm. Um, and maybe I'm not, I can't remember now if there was more eggs still in the box or what I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. I just needed to help this duck to stay alive, you know? So we nursed her back to health. She ended up, uh, I did let her grow up with the mom, uh, chicken and all the baby chicks. So she still to this day thinks that she is a chicken. So <laughs> poor lucky. So I did eventually kind of kick her out of the nest and tell her when she's big enough that she had to live with the ducks because they, the ducks come out every day and they go swim. We have a big pond. Um, in the yard. So she needs to live like a duck and actually swim in the pond. Cause if she's in the chicken coop, she's not going to get to swim every day. And they, it's a, that's very essential for them. They need to do that. Um, so poor lucky. So I always find her though, like she'll go out and she'll swim with them for a bit. And then I find her always standing by the chicken chickens run, you know, their coop oh. area where they, where they're kept. And she's always standing by there, you know, trying to be, I'm like, lucky, you're not a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that so. sounds like a beautiful children's book. It is. It's you, just, right. It would be a wicked good book. <laughs> but, yeah, I so can... we just have, we have so many stories like that of things here that on the farm that it's just, it's fun to have those little, you know, things to go back to or tell the stories of. And you as know, your son back. gets older, what a gift for him to I grow know. up in that environment. So connected to, you know, the earth and the farm life and the animals and absolutely. It's, it's so and special. it's crazy. Mine is never sick. And again, my son is never sick and I definitely want to, you know, thank the raw goat's milk for that. And he's always outside, you know, playing in the barn, getting dirty and stuff like that. And I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, that touched the ground. You know, Oh, we can't, you gotta throw it away. It's like, Hey, if it looks clean, doesn't have some dog hair on it, you know, rinse it off real quick. You're good. <laughs> or, okay. You know, he's digging around in the indoor dirt or, you know, playing, he go, he loves, he begs to go into the chicken run and just, try to catch chickens and stuff. It's like, you know what? He's a little boy. He wants to have fun. Let him live his life. And I really think just because of that, it's helped with, again, the, the good bacteria in life, in the ground. You know, I think that that helps his immune system. 
Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, the whole sterile environment. That's one thing mm-hmm. with the pandemic. Everybody's doing the sanitizers and not only are they toxic, most of them, but they just mm-hmm. also kill the good bacteria. It's uh, absolutely. It's, you can't, so you that's can't do just, that all the time. Yeah. So that's just been a great thing too, that comes back to our products with, you know, choosing the more natural option for your skin and what's better for you is I have so many nurses that come to me and they're like, my hands are so raw and bleeding and, you know, awful. And they're like, I've, I'm using your soap now. And I use, they use my sanitizer and they use uh, the gold milk lotion. They're like, my hands are back to normal. They're like, my hands aren't killing me anymore. I can actually use them and they're not bleeding and they're not cracked. So it's just, it's so, I'm so grateful for how I've been able to help these people out. That's so special that it is. That's so special. So do they buy it at your farm stand or do some of them, do you have a lot of online orders? Yeah. So most of them do before we built our bigger farm stand in December. um, It used to be mainly online orders. Um, so we'd either ship stuff or we, we made like a tiny little farm stand where it was for pickup orders only. So people weren't able to come and see it in person, smell it, test it, whatever. Um, it was just what you see online is, you know, you got to order it that way. And then I'll put it together in a bag with your name on it. And I'll let you know when it's ready for pickup. And then they just show up, open up the door to this little mini farm stand thing. And, um, they would just pick up their order. So now with being able to have the actual walk-in farm stand and everything stocked in there. They can see each soap. They can smell it. I have lotion testers. I have hand sanitizer testers out there. So they can test the product before they actually buy it to make sure it's something that they want. So mm. that's definitely been super helpful. And that's open um, now? It is. Yep. Uh-huh. Wow. Yep. So obviously we just ask people, you know, wear their masks and if someone else is in there, you know, not to go in until, but everyone's been so respectful, you know, so respectful. And I think we're all trained pretty well now, you know, with, with everything going on that people, you know, will just wait in their car until someone leaves and then, you know, they'll go in. So people, it's been great. It really has. Nice. I'm just so thankful for how much we've been able to help the community, you know, yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Well, you're doing such a great job with what you're doing. Do you have any, like going forward, do you have any ambitions for future <laughs> plans or? Always, always. <laughs> yeah. What yes, does that always. look like? So we're actually hoping to put an addition on our house this year, which is probably going to put us upside down a little bit in some ways with our house being ripped apart. And I don't even know how it's going to work with, you know, my kitchen being ripped out and all that stuff. And, but in, in the end, it's going to be good because we're going to be, um, um, you know, adding on so we can, I'm going to have a soap room. So that way I'm not just doing everything in my kitchen because most of my supplies are down in my basement. It literally takes me as long to set up as it does to make half of the stuff. Um, so that way I'll have everything already there and it can just be so much more functionable. Um, but we may get to the point where we need to start hiring other people to help me make products, uh, which would be awesome. So I'm hoping once we get all that done, it'll be a little bit easier because I'll, I'll have a workspace to always be working in. Um, and then we have a lot of stores, local farms, uh, you know, like farm standy kind of stores that want to stock some of our product. Uh, I just don't have the time. I don't have the help you know, to get that much bigger and stuff like that. So I think once we get the addition done, get myself a space to just always have my stuff there to make life easier. That's going to allow me to help to expand even more. So I'm really excited to 
um, for our farm day events that we have. Uh, once our baby goats start being born, we're going to do some uh, baby goat sessions, snuggle sessions. Aww. And at that time too, our baby bunnies, our baby bunnies will probably be about um, a month old, which then can kind of separate from mom a little bit for, you know, uh, they don't have to just be with her, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we can do baby bunny and baby goat sessions. So we'll start posting, uh, events like that on our page and then doing our farm day events where we, um, just charge $5 a person to come in. We offer pony rides, um, same thing, kind of snuggle sessions with all the, the goats and the baby animals. And we'll be hatching out baby chicks and baby ducks. So we'll have all different little baby animals all over the place that um, people can do that. So the only thing obviously is with COVID, our last event was Halloween that we did. Um, we just have to stick with the guidelines on how many people we can have. And so we uh, book through a event page that, you know, people have to buy tickets ahead of time. So we know how many people are coming and stuff like that. So yeah. oh, how special, but it's how awesome. Special. It's Sounds so fun. Great. I wish I had my little kids. I'd bring them down. <laughs> I know, I know. You guys will have to definitely visit for sure. Yes, I will. Okay, so I have another last question. Uh, so do you, what any advice you have for young moms with young kids? I mean, I love how you're very grounded with your son on the farm for moms who may be listening. Any, any suggestions, get their kids, especially right now with everybody, a lot of people, mm -hmm. more, you know, inside and online learning and all that. Yeah. What, what, what would you tell young moms? Yeah, just definitely try to get them outside more. It's so hard because nowadays everyone's so addicted to the the technology, the Xboxes, the iPads, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's great for a time. Like my husband, I'm a, my, my, my son has, we have an iPad that he does do some learning games and stuff like that on. I mean, granted, he's not even two yet, but he's incredible. <laughs> he grabs these things and matches them. I'm like, how does he even know how to do that? It's crazy. So we have certain time limits that we allow him to be on stuff like that for educational reasons. Um, but then I try to do more hands-on. Like he loves to paint. He loves to color. Um, he loves putting things together. So, you know, just definitely try. I mean, it's so hard with this COVID and, you know, you can't do as much as you used to be able to do, but try to find places like our farm that is, you know, COVID compliant, but still able to do stuff um, and get out and do things with them. The best thing you can do is keep these kids, you know, busy and out of the house and just not addicted to the technology. So it's just in so nature. good for them. Yes. In nature. It's so good for them. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your life. And it just, I just think it's beautiful and wonderful what you're doing. I, I'm, I think, unfortunately for my husband, I think I'll keep on looking for that piece of land. Cause I yes, guess absolutely. I'm thinking, Oh, and I could make bread and sell it. Farm stand yeah. And just so, so many places you could branch out once you have, once you start. You know, yes. small. Exactly. And that's it. You just got to get your feet wet and you can't be afraid of it. You know, and if it's not, you know, you dig into it and you're like, oh, this isn't really my thing. Try something else. There's so much out there that you can do. And there's so much more that I want to expand to. And I'm like, there's just not enough time. There's not enough of me. <laughs> so it's always looking to add new products and ways that I can help people in other ways, you know, differences too. It's just, it's awesome. It's endless, <laughs> but yeah. it's exciting. So well, it definitely looking like forward to the future. 
Yeah, it sounds like you're on the right track and you are helping a lot of people. So thank you thank for being you here so with me much. today. Thank you. I appreciate it.